Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week is the first of our two Valentine's Day specials. Romance is in the air, and gift cards abound. That's right, we have asked you, the audience, to help us pick which romantic film, or in this case, films, you'd like us to cover, because for the first time, we had a tie. We had two films that received the same amount of votes, so we're going to do them both because we love you all and we want you all to have a good time. The first of those films is Pride and Prejudice from 2005. Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and somebody who has not. Our guest who has not seen Pride and Prejudice, brackets 2005, close brackets, it's Daniel Buckle! Hello. How are you, Dan? I'm very well. I'm very excited to see this, finally. And uh, just for the folks at home, who are you, Dan? And what do you do? Good question. Uh, I'm um, I'm an actor, performer, children's entertainer. Um, Triple threat. Yeah, yeah. I believe that is the the th- three things. Excellent. And uh, you've you've never seen this this particular Pride and Prejudice film. I've not seen pretty much any Pride and Prejudice. The only Pride and Prejudice that I've seen, as we were talking about earlier, is the particular Red Dwarf episode where they go to a virtual reality Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> And uh, oh, I, I haven't seen this particular version myself, but it's going to have to try very hard to top Crichton coming out of the water in a tank going, I don't believe you heard me. I said dinner is served. Blows up the gazebo. <laughs> I'm going to be frankly disappointed if I don't see at least one tank. Yes. Uh, wonderful. Well, joining us uh, to help us watch this film, our guest who has seen the film making her debut on the podcast, it's Esther Longhurst. Hello. Uh, hi, hi, Esther. Hi. Um, just for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Um, so I, I'm an artist as well. I, I'm an actor and performer. I do a lot of improvisation. And I have a show called Sense and Spontaneity, which is Improvised Jane Austen. It's an incredibly ambitious show. It's just two, two women and lots of hats trying to, trying to tell a modern-day Jane Austen story. Mm. And it's, uh, may I say really good um it is <laughs> a really you. really good show and yes uh, it's lovely to have you on and particularly with your your austin expertise in terms of as a performer working the works of austin into uh contemporary improv um so for starters pride and prejudice f- for you where does it sit in sort of jane austen's canon is it is it her best work um for for some people i think i think jane austen's work uh is going to connect with different people at different times of life. I know that Pride and Prejudice has been a favourite. It's not at the moment, mm-hmm. but it might resurface as one. Um, uh, I think I think it's I think it's very strong, and a lot of people like it because I think it sort of ticks everything that is Austen um, in terms of sort of social commentary and like the sort of wider world represented. I think it does a really good job where where her other work might be more specifically looking at things, but yeah. It's certainly um, one of the, well, it's certainly the most popular one. It's the one that gets, I think, referenced so often. Um, have any of the other uh, Austin works been adapted to, to supernatural things like the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? <laughs> yeah, thing? well, there's there's Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Right. Um, there's There's been no film adaptation of that book, but there's been a lot of talk about it, so... Ooh, yeah, excellent. Maybe one day. This particular uh, version, the 2005 Kira Knightley version, as it's generally referred to, um, how, how is it for you? Like, in a sort of vague, non spoilery sort of way, um, is it a good representation of the book? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, yes. Hmm. It's great because you can watch it in one sitting um, as opposed to the BBC version. So, in terms of like 
complete film. I think it's the best complete film version. Um, I don't think it's the best adaptation. Okay. <laughs> but but that's that's such a, a point of contention with a lot of um, Austin fans. Uh, but I think a lot of that comes to, to nostalgia for me was that like I love the miniseries mm. um, and I love the time that it spends with the family and, and all of that. But I think this I think this work is really fun and it's it's romantic and silly and yeah, it's fun. All right. Well, shall we watch the film, guys? Yeah. Nodding yeah. works brilliantly, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm also going to do a lot of hand gestures like this one <gasps> and this one. Daniel. Sorry, I can't do that on air, wow. can I? No. no. Very versatile, though. I cannot. Uh, okay, well, for those of you listening at home, uh, pop in your DVDs and prepare to discover which truths are universally acknowledged as we watch Pride and Prejudice. back everybody we have just finished watching pride and prejudice 2005 and i'm joined once again by dan buckle hey 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 and esther longhurst hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so um daniel that was your first time watching pride and prejudice oh it sure was and um i tell you what i wish we could have uh, recorded some of the noises that i made involuntarily during a lot of that because <laughs> oh boy there were a lot of <laughs> and oh and what so, <laughs> I'm guessing from those noises that you enjoyed it. I did. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I, I thought I was going to enjoy it, um, but I didn't think I was going to enjoy it very much. And I thought I was going to be spending most of my time just looking at the outfits and the wigs and stuff and going, oh, which, which I did a lot of. But uh, no, I loved the language. That was the most Jane Austen I've ever um, had in my ear holes um, or in my eye holes. Uh, any of... Your holes. <clears throat> Yes, uh, so that was that was really nice. Um, she's all right at, at doing the the wordy words. Yeah, Jane Austen. Yeah, pretty good screen, I'd, I'd rate play. her. Yeah, at least a B plus. Oh, right. Well, mm. excellent. Um, so an enjoyable experience. Yeah, I quite liked it, and good acting all around. Um, I, I have to say, because that was my first time watching this version of of um, of P and P, and um, <laughs> as it is colloquially known. Yeah. I, I, do you refer to it as P and P or yeah. not PAP? Oh. Seriously? No, P&P, yeah, that's yeah. what... You wouldn't call it PAP at all? No. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah, P&P is probably better. P&P is a nice shorthand. Yeah. yeah. Um, Doesn't make you think of... Other things. Going to the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, P&P, um, I, I really enjoyed it as well. And I, I my experience with, with Austin, in particular with Pride and Prejudice, is mostly uh, reading it. I've not seen too many adaptions. I When I first read P&P, I found it... A little hard to get through but I was also a fair bit younger and I just wasn't terribly patient with it I guess Whereas, you were a bit of a bingley yeah 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 I was a bingley I was like oh, I don't understand what's happening oh. <laughs> I've got all these books I feel so guilty yeah. well I'm gonna leave for six months now do, do, do. but it's um but I, I really enjoyed seeing um the story come to life on the screen in this particular version I I, I I rather enjoyed it. Esther, you said this is the first time you've watched it in a in a while. Um, uh, how how was it revisiting this particular version? Yeah, it was really enjoyable. I um, I it, like it's like seeing an old friend. I guess mm-hmm. like <laughs> I, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I thought I'd be like, uh, but I think I think rewatching it reminded me um, how so much of the dialogue is so true to the text. Um, a lot of the things that have irked me about it in the past, I saw in a new light and went, oh, the way they've done this provides a lot of context and a lot of subtext. Um, so it's really important. I guess with that limited time, they've packed a lot in. Yeah, because it's, it's a two-hour film and it didn't feel like two hours. No. I, I, I realised when we were getting quite near the end, I went, I wonder what time it is. And I realised we'd gone through a solid 90 minutes without even thinking, what time is it? I had the same experience. Yeah, it's um, and I, I I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty well told story within the film. I think it, in terms of just looking at it purely as a story through film, I think it it flows very nicely. It works well, mm. um, and yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that in terms of condensing from uh, down from the book as well that they've they've made it work in this format. Yeah, um, because... yeah, they've preserved a lot of 
a lot of gems. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we should probably start with uh, Lizzie Bennet herself and Keira Knightley as as um, Elizabeth. Um, Dan, what did you, what did you think of her performance? Um, uh, it's a study in smoking eyes. Um, she <laughs> gave so many good gazes and so many secret little smiles. Um, that alone is worthy of praise, I think. Um, I thought she was she was quite good. Um, I yeah, I, I I'm a fan of Kira Knightley. Um, I uh, I really liked whenever she got the chance to, as she did fairly often. To like um, uh, parry words around with people um, and share little insults and and observations and stuff. Um, I thought she did that really well. Mm. I, I, the, the thing I quite liked, particularly with Keira Knightley in in her sort of uh, early two thousands film career, um, she does this she does this sort of laugh smile thing yeah. that feels completely genuine. It yes. all, it, I think she she did it a lot in. Um, in like bandit like yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and it's it's such an interesting thing that not many other uh performers do but it's something that i i feel as though i see in a lot of people it commonly in my life and it's just a little attribute of hers that she brings through that i think makes at least me personally i just feel a bit more of a connection to characters she plays and with lizzie i think that's very important because mm. She's the protagonist in this in this story mm. and if you're not making that connection with lizzie um, I, I don't think it works as well. Mm. And also, Lizzie... I, I think one of the reasons why Pride and Prejudice works so well is that Lizzie is very much an outsider of this, um, well, in this case, late 18th century um, world, uh, you know, of, of high society. And the fact that she is an outsider and we as audiences removed from it by time are an outsider as well, I feel as though you make that connection with her a bit more you're she's passing judgment on everything around her and she's making smart aleck comments about darcy and about bingley and about the way everything's set up and even about her own family and i just felt i I just feel as though as a as a protagonist she's very she's very well written and she's and in this case very well performed yeah kira i would agree with that i think kira knightley does an incredible job of bringing lizzie bennett to life and i think um I think she's beautifully cast in that because Lizzie is cheeky and silly and sarcastic and fun and playful. And I think we miss that in other adaptations where, like like in the miniseries, the actress who plays Lizzie is very serene and calm and mm. drifting off into the middle distance and considered and measured. But in this version, we, we hear her cackle and we, we see her eyes fire up as she yells as Dar- at, at Darcy in that um, rejection proposal. Mm. We just see this really fiery, opinionated um, character cut loose and, you know, be with her friends and sister and speak her mind to her family. And, yeah, she's really great. And I think that thing of being the... The, the outsider and brought in is something that's so um, so Jane Austen is that we're, we're bringing you into a world of satire so here's a lens where you can actually see what's happening around you mm. and I think that contextually that's what Jane Austen wanted to do wanted to shine light on social issues and sh- shine light on the things that were happening that people might not have noticed mm. in their social context um, and so to be able to watch it from a modern day context and have that experience is just a testament to the like the amazing work of Jane Austen. Yeah, and I think I think that the way they've, I think the way this film showcases that is is really brilliant, and I think it does show just how good Austen's world that she built was, in very much a reflection of the world around it, in in much the same way I feel as though. Uh, Charles Dickens did with a lot of his work mm. as well. Um, you know, he re- but whereas Dickens was obviously very focused on caricatures and car- caricatures, yeah. but his, he was also very focused on things like um, inner city um, wealth inequality and poor being yeah. poor and things like that. And it was a very different social climate with the industrialization. And, yeah, whereas yeah. this is still very this is Regency, this is posh, this is ah, oh, we're going to go, it's it's shooting season that's why I'm in this particular house. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 the, I, yeah. and the storyteller is coming from the context of the gentry mm. um, not the working class. Yeah, and it's it's 
it's fabulously done. I think this film itself, like everything around the film, does a really good job of showcasing that. So we, we were making comments throughout about how well shot this film is. Mm, yeah, um, quite beautifully. Yeah, Dan in particular in the second uh, ball that we, we see in this film. Um, two of seven. You counted how many were there? Yeah, there were only two. Oh, there were only two. Oh, yeah. there were, well, they, they were talking about balls the rest of the time. They were, but there were only two balls on display. Balls is all Dan can think about. Oh, um, but but Thank they you. but they're incredibly well yes. shot. Those sequences of, of the um, of the camera moving through mm. the, the 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 Bingley ball and the the first ball, yeah, that, yeah. that single shot take of what well, it looked at at least of going through and following Lizzie as she walks through the party and having like major characters like Mr. Darcy appear behind her, and not really be in focus, but he was just there to do a bit of subtext and, and things. Collins walks past with a flower, and then we see mm. Mr. Bennett like comforting uh, Mary because her piano playing was poor and it was just it was so well layered and we had mm. these moments of focus on particular characters mm. and it was all one shot and it was a lot of people always talk about great single shots in film and one that gets brought up a lot is from that first Avengers film where they follow the superheroes around the city as they're battling the aliens this felt like the gentrified version of that this felt like what an interesting comparison yeah, yeah it just <laughs> it, it felt very much like we're seeing all the major players we're seeing them interact with each other. We're seeing what they do, but instead of you know fighting the T'Chal or whatever they were in the Avengers, it's it's the the ongoing social in squabbling. Yeah. And what's so wonderful about that is that like a good shot should do more than one thing mm. at once, and so it's giving us context of the vibe of the party. It's giving us all those little tidbits of mm. what's happening with the other characters, but it also puts us in the position, the stress position of Lizzie while she just searches for Wickham yeah. for this man that she's falling in love with. And like, and she's met with her annoying, you know, cousin who's trying to propose to her, and she's met with this frustrating man who's like, you know, such a snob, but mm. insisting they dance. Yeah, it um, it is a very well performed film. Uh, some incredible actors in this film. Um, I'm I'm struggling to sort of pin down a favourite though, because I think everyone does a really good job. It, I really felt. Um, very attached to the Bennett parents mm. just because yeah, those performances Donald, Donald Sutherland is so done <laughs> through most of this film um, and it's just such a wonderful it's it's a really wonderful controlled performance um, tired performance yeah <laughs> he's just he's, he's, he's just, just exhausted yeah. the whole time. I mean if you were married to Mrs. Bennett I, I could sort of understand why and then you've got five daughters and one of them's Lydia you know you, you, you're gonna be struggling um yeah, but I, I thought he was fantastic. I thought uh, Brenda Bleffin as 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 Mrs. Bennett was almost to an extent. I, I think Mrs. Bennett sometimes gets portrayed almost like a pantomime dame yeah. in some yeah. ways. Yeah. This Mrs. Bennett felt very real to me. Mm. I believed her, despite her outlandish social climbing ambition. Um, I I believed it. Yeah, she was a lot more grounded. Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, Dan, you particularly enjoyed Mr. Collins. I did. I did, yeah. He was I like when when he's first introduced I thought he was a bit creepy, but um he's adorable. I mean he's he's he very a, problematic. Yeah, he um, is a bit creepy, but yes. he's also he's just a bit of a a nerd in a, in a modern day context. Well, he's, he's, yeah, he's a dork. Yeah, he's, a, he's like a church nerd. He's mm. he really loves what he does and the only reason he's after a wife is because of Lady Catherine yeah. mm. it's been recommended that it would be a good thing yeah so he's like okay well here I go yeah and I just I loved the fact he had such a terrible haircut and he was just so much shorter than everyone oh, else oh that was yeah. I hope that was deliberate because that mm. was oh, beautiful of course yeah the, there was so much visually going on to mm. make him I think one of the things that he did so well was he played in his body with so much tension yeah. that like every time there was a wide shot you, he was just stiff as a board mm. and every time there was a close up his eyes were almost quivering mm. like there was just so much tension in his body the whole time I wonder how much like tension headaches that actor got after <laughs> filming uh, it would have been pretty well, he ended up like with just twitchy eyes for a few months afterwards and yeah. then it was so beautiful when the, when the stakes were raised because he was so tense to start with and then he'd just like you'd just see him take on that extra mm. bit and you'd see his <laughs> jaw clench and his eyes widen and it was, it was and beautiful just his his whole mannerism particularly with his proposal to lizzie 
and how he doesn't try and lie or change who he is. He's very upfront about who he is. Mm. Um, I want a wife because it's proper for a clergyman to do. Uh, yeah, and then, but he obviously has little to no idea about the realities of other people around him, and in mm. particular women. Um, oh, that would have been an amazing, uh, amazing nuptials evening. Uh, nuptials evening. You can tell <laughs> how experienced I am with the concept of weddings. Yeah. But in reality, at the time, like Mr. Collins would have been a great choice to marry. Mm. Like he's he's got stability. He then you're keeping everything in your family. You can you know like mm. protect your family and keep them safe, mm. um, and nothing's sort of entailed away. You he's like he's respectable. He's in a respectable profession. He's not particularly poor clergy. He's got good social connections. Yeah, he's got the favour of Lady Catherine. Yeah. Um, and I think I thought that was the brilliant thing about Charlotte ending up with him. Because, you yeah. know, Charlotte stating that she's 27. And obviously in that time period, being yeah. unmarried at 27, Daniel, was um, a pretty... Oh, no, it, pretty it holds today. <laughs> yeah, I am ashamed. I'm ashamed of my family. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it was. I, I really liked Charlotte's Don't You Dare Judge Me speech mm, and, yeah. and performance to, to, to um, Lizzie. Um, it was, it was, it was a very strong moment within the film. Um, yeah. and it's a film that's just full of them. It's chock a block mm-hmm. with just fantastic little one-on-one scenes, little vignettes, mm-hmm. um, very well told. And I think that source material has just allowed for some fabulous performances because it is so well considered. Mm. Well, um, having not read the book, I can't, sh- I can't, I, I can, I can only comment on what I saw, um, but sh- uh, I get the feeling that there were a lot of truncated scenes and paraphrased conversations. Um, Esther, were were there and were they done quite I, well? Yeah, I think that's I think that's part of the weakness of the film because I feel like oh. I feel like we just watched the cliff notes of the book in fast forward. Yeah. Like I feel like so many of those beautiful moments that are heightened, and I think there's a lot of cinematic things that they've mm. done to really kind of like drive home. This is what's happening here. She is poor. Look, look at the dirty pig. Mm. Like it, he is rich. Look at <laughs> look the at pig. those pig balls. Yeah, oh, oh there's yeah, that, pig balls. Let's get back to that. Point. <laughs> yes. yes. So, someone let that moment slide. <laughs> just Mrs. So, just so, Mrs. Bennett admiring a big old <laughs> pair of pig testicles. <laughs> I like what you said uh, about that Esther at the time that you thought it was an editor's quirk and that she was just looking off into the distance and then the, there was just a uh, happened to be a shot of pig yeah, balls and they linked them together. Prank that the editor like just snuck in and mm. no one objected to and was like seriously guys seriously okay we're, pu- <laughs> we're putting this movie out like there's a lot of okay everyone's cool with this mm. yeah no they are uh, like i felt like i felt like um big one of the things they were very clever in their film in mm. the way that they did the film because they did really kind of like polarize a lot of things and they did make things really black and white and bring that context in straight away. Mm. But I think almost, I, I I felt like a lot of the actors, like I felt so much of the dialogue was so speedy and almost staccato. Like right. I felt like it was like, now we're rushing out all the lines and we're saying them as quickly as possible because they're really good lines. So we don't want to cut any of them, but we don't have much time for this scene. Mm. And I felt like that was what happened in a lot of those moments. Yeah, I, I, I found myself having to tune into the film a little bit at the beginning because of how much talking over each other was happening. And that's mm. partly playing it naturalistically when you've got these very excited young female sister characters who are, you know, they have this relationship of, being very playful and you know mm. you've got Lydia and, and Kitty both. great big family vibe yeah running around mm-hmm. and it felt authentic but and you know occasionally like you'd hear Mr. Bennett try and say something over the, the cacophony and Mrs. <laughs> Bennett's there going oh Miss Lucas and la da 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 and <laughs> it did take a moment or two to tune into and it does make me it does make me think that that was obviously a choice to try and get as much of this material in as possible you, you mm. mentioned before your preference in terms of the adaptations was the BBC miniseries yeah. um, and was that partly because they're allowed to elaborate more? Yeah I think you just get so much more time and context with each kind of character mm. and moment and not that there's not speedy dialogue or things like that in that adaptation but I think you just you know like um, you guys were laughing at the introduction of Fitzwilliam because like he was a character <laughs> that we saw really nothing from mm. and you guys clocked that like oh Here's a significant character because, you know, like he's one of Darcy's close friends and he's soft and he's lovely 
and Lizzie feels like at ease with him straight away and so like they're they're able to have this lovely dialogue where she's like oh maybe Darcy's not such a bad guy mm. and you know like she's meeting his friends and meeting his circle but we don't really see any of that we just yeah. kind of see like a couple of moments with him we have a scene and, where he says his name and then yeah. the scene in the church and that's kind of it yeah. really and and he's just kind of functional in mm. the film mm. in terms of like passing over a bit of context mm. to to realign her. He's um, a plot stagehand. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. Got some plot that needs to bring in. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I felt the I same with... It. We don't have time. <laughs> the same with her relationship with her dad. Like, um, we hardly saw any of that develop through the film. So then the film ends on this scene with her dad going, <laughs> I love you, we're so close, I can't have you marry this man who's arrogant and a mm. jerk. And it's like this scene with quite a lot of time and space given to it mm. where she reassures her dad no no no, i'm in love but we're kind of like oh, okay like so <laughs> we didn't see any of that in the film yeah i i, oh, I, I we, like we I cleaned it and i think i think that's like a testament to the like the filmmakers and the visual aspects but we're not i i liked that i saw a couple of little moments that um i'm certain yeah that there was a whole heap more in, in the book and, and and miniseries where you got the chance to explore their relationship a bit more. But um, mm-hmm. I, I liked what they did with the... Um, uh, it, it played a little bit into my headcanon of him just being endlessly exhausted and tired um, all the time. Uh, but I, I, I saw a few little moments where they had looks across the dinner table and things uh, where other people were talking, but they were sharing a glance. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I also think that we, before that, we get the scene where Mr. Bennett stands up for Lizzie uh, mm. against Mrs. Bennett because she turns down the proposal, uh, turns down Mr. Collins's proposal. Yeah. Yeah. And he basically says, you're going to lose one parent. You're either going to lose your mother if you say no or me if you say yes. Yeah. And Which is nice and also horrible. Yeah. But it's and the think, truth of the matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's like, yeah, we, we sort of miss some of the complexities of, because both parents are at fault for the weird social situation <laughs> that they're in. Mm. And it, like their dad is at fault for not standing up and insisting on a higher standard and not having saved money properly for his daughter's inheritance and not having... He hasn't done a good job of looking after the household. Mm. Um, He's exhausted. Yeah. He just needs a nap. <laughs> yeah. But but he, like, he is... like Although his wife is ridiculous, <laughs> he is the one who socially has failed his family. Um, yeah. He, and 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 in the in the book and in the miniseries we see we really see him suffer the consequence of that uh, in you know with Lydia with the Lydia situation and all mm. of that. Yeah, he he does come across as being someone that's not particularly social and mm. obviously in this very social film um that could pretend, or very social text that's obviously a big issue. Um, speaking of not very social, we've got to talk about Mr. Darcy. Um, <laughs> you know, this is arguably as famous a character as Elizabeth Bennet. They're sort of paired up with each mm-hmm. other in, in in sort of perpetuity and public uh, knowledge of them. Um, it's a really fascinating performance um, where you... I, I found myself never quite sure, despite knowing the rough beats of the story, I, I found myself never quite sure with what Darcy's intentions were at points. Um, and I don't know if you felt the same, Dan. I, in fact, did. I found him very hard to read. In fact, um, although I, I did enjoy um, every actor in the film, um, I enjoyed him least. Least? Yeah. Oh, I, go, do tell. Well, just that um, he... He did a fine job, and, and it was good. Um, I didn't dislike him, but uh, of... Those on display, I found him the least enjoyable because, uh, yeah, I couldn't um, quite read him very well ever. Like even even in the final moments where he's going, I still feel the same. Still want you to marry me, that sort of thing. I thought, uh, I don't know, do you? Um, okay. Which might well have been a very Mister Darcy character sort of a thing to do. Uh, but no, I he never let me in. Okay, no, that's um, for fair. those at home. I just clutched my chest. Yeah, <laughs> um, Esther, for for you. Yeah, I feel the same. I mm. don't fall in love with Darcy. Yeah. In this. Adaptation. What about other adaptations? Oh, yeah. Wet, wet, I, wet shirt, oh, Colin oh, Firth. Oh, right. yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, 
I'm, I'm not attracted to Colin Firth. I don't find him physically attractive particularly, mm. but I certainly fell in love with his portrayal of um, Mr. Darcy. I think there's a lot more like smirking and like sort of just like, you know, it's like quietly entertained or delighted or like there's a lot more like I get, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes. Kind of yes. moments from him and a lot more kind of like gazing across the room and that sort of thing in in that um, one. Well, I, I feel like I feel like it's not the actor's fault. Like I feel like there's a lot of di- directorial choices like yeah. when he helps her up to the carriage and it zooms in on their hands and then you see him like just stretch his hand out mm. as they walk away and, mm. and it's like, is he... Is he grossed out by touching her? Like, yeah. what's happening? I didn't get that one at all. I thought that'd be revisited and I'd forgotten about it until just then. I, I suppose as as a character whose intentions we're never fully sure of until the end of the story, it is hard to make that connection. Uh, as opposed to a character like Bingley, where you can just like, oh, he's lovable. He's just a mm. big old dum-dum with big red hair. He, Oh, his hair <laughs> does all his acting for him. Yeah. And that is fine. It does a great job. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's, it, it, it is interesting seeing how they're contrasted. Um, well, basically how Darcy is contrasted with anyone that he interacts with. <laughs> um, but then when you meet his aunt, it makes perfect sense because we gotta oh. we got to dedicate some time to, I'm going to guess the person you connected most to. Uh, oh, the Dench. Yeah. Dame, I love the Dench. Dame Judy Dench as Lady Catherine. Hot Dame, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's... Everyone is probably aware that Judy Dench is amazing at acting. She is really good in this. Yeah, yeah just, she, had, she has so much gravitas. Mm. She's just so... When you enter the room, first meeting her, her back's to you and you can tell it's Judy Dench. Yeah, she doesn't have to like... Again, she's often played really over the top, really mm. big and... Um, and I she think does, it doesn't need to be. No. If you've got the right performer. Yeah. I think in the miniseries, she's surrounded by peacocks. Like, she's surrounded by exotic birds. Oh, literally. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant, like... No, 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 not painted. <laughs> like, she's got all these exotic animals just around her peacocking for her. So, she, hmm. you know, but, like, she's just sitting there in stillness. And, you know, it's just the, the slightest turn of her head. Hmm. And you're like, oh, it's yeah. terrifying. Well, I um, uh, never felt the uh, sort of impending social gravitas or doom or consequence of most of the film probably just because I'm removed from that context myself and uh and I don't see the same social consequences um and and so it's not a it's not like a threat that I that I see and associate uh but with her it was very much so I was like oh say the wrong thing and she will ruin your entire family (laughs) um yeah so she she put the danger in the film for me, which was great. And that final confrontation between Lady Catherine and Lizzie is is a verbal uh, duel of the fates mm. from Revenge of the Sith. It's it's such a <laughs> such. This is so cool. Uh, I love that we're sitting here comparing yes. it to Star Wars. But it but it is it it really is a remarkably dramatic film, and it's one of those things where people always talk about the intrigue of of, of Austin's work and and how these books not only transport you to another time and place, but the stakes become super high despite the fact that it's a plainly ridiculous social world to us yeah. now but it, the film does such a good job of conveying the fact that this almost is life and death like you know charlotte mm. jumps at the chance to marry collins just because they both need each other socially she knows that she's got reduced um chances of, of living out the rest of her life in comfort because of her age because of her gender and because of other social factors um and I just feel as though this film does a really good job of making you feel that tension um, and playing out those conflicts, even though it's just verbal and it's close-up shots swinging back and forth. It still felt it felt like um, verbal fight scenes in a lot of ways. Mm. And they're very well performed and very well put together. And that's that's why I think Jewel of the Fates, it is just, it, mm. it's, it's that sort of, you know, big climactic battle on top of a volcano at the so end of a film. Who had the high ground? Well, morally, uh, <laughs> Lizzie. Yes. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, it was just such a good, tight scene. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting that you talk about like contextually now. It's, it's such a ridiculous world. Um, 
yes, I very much agree with you, but like it's, it's still so, um, important and, um, uh, uh, accessible to us. I, I think, you know, like from the, the social stuff I know in, um, in Pakistan, like Jane Austen is, you know, sort of held up as a for, forerunner of feminism and in Pakistan, like a lot of people use the Pride and Prejudice text um, in, in sort of feminist movements and empowering women. Mm. And I think in that final scene where um, where they have that conversation, um, you know, you see a really, you see a really empowered woman the whole way through. She's already rejected two mm-hmm. proposals that were really decent proposals and she's a poor woman who doesn't have any other options we're like who the hell is this woman and who does she think she is Mm -hmm. to do that but i think when we see her stand up to lady catherine that's when we really see her stand up to the patriarchy or Mm. or, you know or to just like all sort of social expectations on her as a woman um and how she should behave um and just go no like i know my own mind i know who i am and i will do Mm. you know like she's an incredibly powerful character in that moment so even though um it's such a ridiculous world and contextually it has no value to us to me like she's still such a powerful Mm. heroine in Mm. that she can go through her life going i know what i want and i won't let anyone no matter how wealthy or powerful Mm. or how much influence they have i still am stronger because i know who i am yeah and i i think that's that's um perfectly true it's it's it is um it is in, it, like, interesting seeing it through that particular lens, and I think it's completely correct. I think Lizzie Bennet, up, above all else, is true to who she is, and there is incredible power in that, even in the face of, like you say, having Lady Catherine, um, who is, uh, in, in her own right, a powerful woman, but has very much latched onto the existing patriarchal system to get that power, in the same way that um, Bingley's sister um it's caroline isn't caroline, it yeah, yeah yeah caroline is very much um not a powerful woman but she's a woman of reasonable social standing and yep. is someone who is embracing that system to get that standing same with um charlotte although for charlotte it's purely for survival reasons yeah um and it is yeah it, they're, it, it, they're, it, it, they're working yeah. with the system that they're inside yeah. of and it, it makes lizzie's rejection of those demands on her all the more standout absolutely yeah. yeah and in in many ways she is the anakin skywalker of this of this story just oh good god <laughs> <laughs> except <laughs> dan do you need a moment do you need a glass of cold water <laughs> yeah a moment. Just, just a cold compress yeah. i'm not saying feminism is the dark side i'm just saying they both stand up to <laughs> systems that they feel are outdated oh, i am now just bending all of my mental acumen to trying to find who the darth mole of this story is uh, the Darth Maul of Pride and Prejudice. Mm. Um, I'm gonna say is Wickham. I'm think- I was <laughs> thinking Wickham. Wickham. Yeah, <laughs> probably Wickham. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, let's go Wickham. Yeah. You can't. Um, you, you can't, can't see, see this, but, yeah, but I'm staring fleetingly <laughs> at both of these guys. Cannot yeah. see how wide his pupils are right and, now. <laughs> and Wickham, another character we didn't touch on, um, who obviously causes a scandal by eloping with Lydia. And and yeah 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 and then Lydia comes back and they have to have dinner with her and yeah it, you know they have to have this hastily arranged marriage which it turns out that Darcy helped fund uh, just to to make sure that the Bennett family name isn't completely in the mud um, and I thought it was really interesting a comment you made while we were watching it saying that Lydia now had higher standing than the rest of her sisters because she was now a married woman mm. and I loved how despite that factor you could just tell how much particularly Lizzie hated her for what she'd done and was just like, was just very obviously saying, I don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Go away. You're a horrible person for doing this. <laughs> um, and, but, but again, it makes sense in the context that, you know, you've got Mrs. Bennett there saying, I desperately need to get these girls married off. You, you know, your only hopes for a good and happy life are to be married. It, and then, you know, handsome dashing, dashing, you know, soldier boy turns up and Darth sweeps. Wickham. Yeah, yeah, Darth Wickham <laughs> sweeps her off her feet with his double-ended saber, I guess. And yeah, it's it is fascinating seeing how these things play out. And I'll be honest, I want to go and watch this miniseries. I want a bit more. Me too. I would like some more. Yeah, please, that's, sir. Can that's I have some great. More? You should. You should. I'll watch it with you. There's five hours of it. Um, Fun. Yeah. 
yeah. was going to say a different F word. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so before we move on to the trivia uh, section, uh, our audience selected this as one of two films they'd quite like to see for Valentine's Day. Um, in, in terms of the relationships depicted in this film and how love is rarely used in this film, I yeah. guess. Like it's, love is almost an afterthought in a lot of these arrangements, but we see this relationship between Darcy and uh, Lizzie develop um, where they both declare their love for each other and it's nonsensical to their social situations, but they do have this connection. Um, do, do you feel as though Pride and Prejudice is is up there as a standout story of, of romance from, from Western culture? I think it's certainly uh, like the, the sort of the, one of the first stories that we see in that classic rom-com structure of like, we hate each other, we can't stand each other. Oh, but we were in love the whole time. Mm. I think we, we don't really see that anywhere before this Pride and Prejudice story and it, and particularly the way that it's done it's just like it is impossible for these two to fall in love mm. and yet they do yeah um, so I think in terms of like there's something quite wonderful about that but also like I don't find that romantic I don't either <laughs> um, I, I, I'm not sitting I wasn't rooting for them to get together yeah I was curious to see what would happen yeah. uh, it was more I think they might hook up Oh, I don't know. But uh, it was like it was clear yeah. that there was an attraction, but there was also this 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 fact that they were they were willing to be confrontational with each other. It's yeah. very much like uh, Benedict and Beatrice from uh, Much Do About Nothing. Yes. That yeah. sort of yeah, very much that yeah, that sort of two headstrong individuals yeah. being attracted to each other almost in spite of themselves. Yeah, there's this moment in the film that was quite like where where she rejects his proposal. And then they both have this moment of like, we're almost going to kiss. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, that was a good choice. And yeah, but like, what? No. Like, I, like I, mm. I was watching it and I was like, you have both just so articulately declared how wrong you are for each other and how hurt you are by each other and how mm. there's no way that you'll ever get together. And then they had this like little moment of like, oh, ooh. But, and it's like, but our what, really? Want to but yeah. she's... You know, th- th- maybe they're both just... They can't help the fact that they have got the hots for each other. You know, go and look at some statue butts for a couple of minutes and <laughs> anyone's going to be in That'll do it for me. We did yeah. see some statue butts. Yeah, and... very very well sculpted. Chisel. Yeah, very well chiseled. Yeah. Do you think that was the, the sort of uh, Austin equivalent of a very lewd sex scene, looking at some statue butts? No. No, I think, I think given... I think well, it's it did it for me. It's one of the... <laughs> I, I think the the use of these statues in uh, the the gallery, I think, was more just to showcase opulence than than sexual drive. Although it probably did that as well. Uh, and one other little shout out for Penelope Winton, who was there as the aunt. Yes, just, just nice seeing her doing stuff because I think she's great. I think she's great. Stephen really thought she was great. He, yeah, he got pretty excited whenever she was in a scene. Yeah, <laughs> she's great. Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. <laughs> yeah, love her dearly. The only other thing we have to discuss before we touch on the trivia is the the alternate US ending. Oh, so <laughs> so this film ends with Mr. <laughs> the traditional version ends with uh, Mr. Bennett sat in his office having just agreed to let um, Darcy and Lizzie get married and he sat there going, oh, if there's anyone there for my other daughters, just send them in. I'll just have a little laugh to myself. And the film ends and th- there. So suddenly. Yeah. But, on, I would argue an anti-climax. But would you prefer the alternate US ending <laughs> tacked on oh, the end? Boy. Where we see Darcy and Lizzie on a table on Darcy's grounds. <laughs> and he's like, what shall you call me? Well, you may call me Lizzie every day, except Sundays, or you must call me my pearl. And then when you're inord- what was it? inordinately, insufferably, uh, incandescently happy, <laughs> you, then, you may then call me uh, Mrs. Darcy. And then he starts kissing her and just saying, Mrs. Darcy, over and over Oh, again. and he does the kiss all around the face, ending yeah, last on the lips. Oof. That guy has rehearsed this. Yeah, but every time he goes, Mrs. Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Now, Esther showed us this because uh, we weren't aware that it was coming. She sort of filmed her reaction. Oh, my God. It was, she, she hid her face in her hands. 
it was a very strong reaction um, to something that you made us watch. <laughs> I've seen a lot of strong emotions from you, Esther. I don't think I've seen that strong an emotion from you ever. What is it about that particular ending? Because I have a feeling I know what it is, but please explain. What is it about that ending uh, that made you react like that? Um... <laughs> Uh, do you want a long version or the short version? Whatever version you care to share. Uh, it reminds me of the worst massage I've ever had. I was in, <laughs> I was in Fiji. <laughs> I was in... This is the long answer. Okay, please do. I was in Fiji and um, uh, I was staying in this hotel and this man came over and said, um, you know, would you like to have a massage? And I said to my husband, oh, like he's, he's coming to our into my room and I don't, I don't want to like you know be naked you know like or half dressed in my room with this stranger like would you hang out during the massage and he was like okay so he just kind of sat there and read this book and this kind of sweaty um Fijian man came into my room and laid out a mat on the floor in Fiji there's a thing where if someone says to you vanaka thank you you say it back hmm. so it's like vanaka vanaka uh uvavu like- iranu that kind of thing <laughs> It's, an, it's a nice little interaction, hmm. yeah. Um, uh, so uh, it was a weird massage. I won't tell you every weird thing that happened, but one of the things that... <laughs> <laughs> right, when the podcast's over, we'll have another chat. <laughs> um, no, I'll tell you. Okay, so at the start of the <laughs> massage, he put oil on his hands and then he put his hands on my back and started praying for me. He's like... <sighs> Jesus, I pray for your daughter that you will heal her and starts praying for me. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. It's a massage with a message. That's incredible. <laughs> it is. Oh, um, and then he ends his prayer with Vanaka. And so I was like, Vanaka. And then he goes, Vanaka. And I was like, Vanaka. 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 <laughs> this went on for half an hour. Did anybody interject with it means no worries at any point? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it just, it was, it was literally, it was half an hour, um, half an hour of him rubbing my back with oil saying Vanaka and me saying Vanaka in response. And, and both of us leaving, well, him leaving and me being more tense than I've ever been before. Oh my goodness. Um, God. But so as, as this man is just like, Mrs. Darcy, Mrs. Darcy, I'm like, you can, you can stop. You can stop. You don't need to say it that many times. You're just thinking, he's going, Vanaka. 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 So it does remind me of that. It does remind me of that. But I think it's just, it's just funny when people make, <laughs> when English people try and accommodate for it, like the Americans, they're like, mm-hmm. well, the Americans won't be able to handle the fact that we didn't have a kiss at the end of this. We just had mm. a sunset where our noses got close. Mm. So we need to just reassure the Americans that yeah. there will be some kissing. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I find it so cheesy. I find the ending like, yeah, you know, and it's so different for everything else we've seen in the film. Yeah, it feels, totally. feels very out of place. Mm. Um, it's like a fanfic just stapled on yeah. to the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they chose not to go with that. Um, but I'm also glad that they put it in the DVD oh, so we so can have happy. the Fijian massage film. That was, that was incredible. Uh, would, you, would you guys like some trivia? Uh, <laughs> would you guys like some trivia about yes. Pride and Prejudice? All right. Matthew McFadden? McFa- the guy that played Mr. Darcy. McFadden. Yeah. McFadden? Well, it's M-A-C-F-A-D-Y-E-N. McFadden. McFadden. Farlan. Farlan. With an L. Oh. Mr. Darcy uh, <laughs> has very poor eyesight. In the Misty Morning shot, the director, Joe Wright, was behind the camera waving a red flag so that he knew where to walk. Wow. Can very much appreciate mm. um, with my poor vision. Yeah. Yeah. Totes. So when he's doing that swaggering Misty walk. He's um, just trying not to die. He's just yeah. trying to go. He, he's basically going, well, squinting and like, where's the red? Oh, it's over there. Cool. Sexy walk. <laughs> Yeah, actually, and he's bending his knees a lot. He's trying not to slip over. Yeah, but yeah, he's very poor eyesight. Maybe that's why his eyes were doing all that weird focusing stuff in those close-up scenes. Flick his eyes off to the side. Yeah, there you go. Uh, At the beginning of the movie, Elizabeth is shown reading a novel titled First Impressions. Uh, This was Jane Austen's original title of her novel before she altered it to Pride and Prejudice. That's pretty fun. Yeah, so nice little intertextual reference Mm. there. 
the director, Joe Wright, managed to cast Judy Dench reportedly by writing her a letter saying, I love it when you play a bitch. <gasps> she would that, love that. Yeah, yeah, she would have opened that letter and be like, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> um, he also petitioned Donald Sutherland to take the part of Mr. Bennett. Uh, Wright said in an interview in 2005, uh, quote, we ended up having a long email correspondence about everything from 18th century agriculture to my relationship with my father. I cast Donald, A, because he's a god, and B, because you need someone with that strength to handle those six women. On a similar note, he mentioned he was reluctant to cast Simon Woods as Mr. Bingley because he'd previously been in a relationship with uh, Rosamund Pike, who's playing one of the Bennett sisters. Oh. Um, <laughs> He ended up asking Rosamond about it, and she was totally fine with it. So, there you go. There you go. But yeah, just <laughs> Jane Beauty Bench. Uh, I love bitches, uh, and being a bitch, would you be a bitch in my film? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that information came out as a humble brag. Like, yeah, Donald Don and I are great friends. We, we email about agriculture, and we talk about our dads and stuff, so we're pretty much best friends, whatevs. He's a god, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the film is set in 1797, um, which is the year that Jane Austen wrote the first draft for Pride and Prejudice. Uh, this is unusual, apparently, as most film adaptions are set in 1813 when the novel was revised and finalised. Hmm. Um, now, there's a 16-year difference there in terms of um, the setting. And a lot of history, as we all know, happened in those... 16 years well, I have no idea well, there, what was a, there was a lot that did happen yeah. I mean you can see it in the fashions there, there was a lot more of the low waisted mm. um, mm. the low waisted dresses before the aggression influence came in yeah. as the like strong fashion you've all, <laughs> Dan's you, laughing at me you've no, all, I'm enjoying how much you know about well, this there's, there's also the fact that setting it in 1797 just militarily speaking when you've got these red coat soldiers is quite mm. different from setting it in 1813 yeah. 1813 is like prime Napoleon running around yeah causing a terror yeah. in in Europe. Um, whereas 1797, it's only four years post the French Revolution. Just four years post the yeah, French yeah. Revolution. Yeah, as you obviously as, knew, Daniel. Yeah, sorry, you, you got there before I... Yeah, that's okay. But the, uh, yeah, the, so the, seeing the... Um, I, I wonder if the depiction of the soldiers would have been different had it been in that 1813, because they would have been going off to fight Napoleon, who was essentially, you know, one of the great conquering uh, European generals of all time. Mm. I think that would have been quite a different uh, feel. You know, maybe Wickham would have been a bit more... Relaxed. Re- relaxed, or maybe worse. Less of his friends are dead. Yeah, like... yeah. He, yeah, Wickham might have been... Um, it, it just Those military characters may have been very different. He mm. Wickham might have been more like um, uh, the Star Wars, um, Clone Wars uh, um, adaptation, the 3D one, where Darth mm. Maul returns and he's got like cybernetic legs and stuff. That's what you're saying? Yes. I was not expecting as many Star Wars references (laughs) as we got, but there we go. Rosamund Pike was Joe Wright's first choice to play the role of Jane. Um, She turned down the role of Rita Skeeter in the Harry Potter film to be in this film. So, the uh, journalist Mm. in the fourth film. Oh, I... Mm. Yeah, I remember. I remember Rita Skeeter. Sorry, I just just realised there might be some people listening going, what's a Harry Potter? So, um, yeah, that's... I, I can see maybe why she chose to do that because I think playing mm. Jane is is a much bigger part than playing Rita. I was just trying to remember how much Rita's in the films, and I don't think it's terribly much. Not a huge amount. No. Yeah. So, so yeah, I can also understand. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been cool to be in Harry Potter, but I think being in this was actually probably a, a good choice. On, on I her, concur. On she her. did a really good job. Yeah. Mm. I, I, in fact, I think. Jane. Yeah, I think Jane might have been my favourite uh, in terms yeah. of acting. So Daniel, if you were if you were Mr. Buckle, if you were uh, a proud landowner who'd come to town and uh, was looking, wait, he is Mr. Oh, Buckle. Oh, good God! Well, no, Mr. Buckle is my father. Um, um, always wanted to say that. <laughs> so, if you had to marry a Bennett sister, um, who do you think you would have most likely ended up marrying? Oh, well, that's an awkward question, but um. I'm Mrs. Bennett right now. I'm like, oh, please, please, Mr. Buckle, pick one, pick one. Well, we didn't hear very much from everyone, um, but uh, I, th- Great. I thought... you can have Mary. <laughs> <laughs> no, Liz, you Lizzie's a wonderful you lose. You're married to Mary. <laughs> I'm sure she's nice. Uh, no, uh, Lizzie was really awesome um, because she was, like, witty and, and well-read and, um, uh, and she had that smoky gaze down pat. But do you think Lizzie would have picked you? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I am Bingley or Collins. Um, no, no, Bingley definitely Collins. not. Yeah. Bingley Collins, worst of both worlds. <laughs> okay, well, that was that was a delightful exercise. Um, 
According to the director's commentary, uh, Tamsin Merchant, who played uh, Georgina Darcy, did her own piano playing in the film. That's oh, actually her. Yeah, that's fun. And she was great. She's only a small part in the film, uh, Darcy's sister, but just really good. And a really interesting... She felt a lot younger than even the younger Bennett sisters, mm. despite the fact they were around the same age. Yeah. But I thought it was really interesting seeing a character who was really quite young a really young female who's almost not quite entered this world of the matchmaking stuff even with the rejected um elopement elopement with wickham that was discussed yeah and Um, i think that's the difference of of um the uh, the bennett sisters were all out in society mm. and so they would have had they would have been privy to a lot more sort of conversation and social discourse than georgina who would have been she would have spent most of her life with her governess Mm. And she she was like, oh, Elizabeth, I heard so much about you. I feel as though I know you already. Like, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting seeing that. Um, but yeah, really just fantastic piano playing. Mm. Um, Joe Wright was not initially keen on having Kira Knightley play Elizabeth. Uh, he believed her to be too attractive um, for, for what they were trying to do. He changed his mind upon meeting her, des- uh, deciding that her tomboyish attitude would be perfect for the part. Or, as Kira Knightley tells it, he initially thought it was too pretty, but then met me and said, oh no, you're fine. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> oh, Wonderful. she's great. Yeah. Um, the actresses who played the Bennett sisters uh, were sent to the Bennett house location in Kent before the crew and played sardines, a game similar to hide and seek, uh, in order to get better acquainted with the house and each other before they began filming. That is so cool. Mm. Sardines is a terrible game, and I hate it. But just for the record, but a good exercise. Sure. Because they, they did feel like sisters. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they did. They had a very nice ease with each other. Yeah, that chemistry. The way they all eavesdropped the same way. Mm. Oh my God, the eavesdropping. Mm. Like, it was unapologetic. They were just all gathered right around the outside of the door, directly there. And then when the person would open the door and see the entire household gathered around peeking, they would just be standing. They wouldn't even try to hide it. They'd just be like, so, what else did you say that we couldn't hear? <laughs> And finally, Simon Woods, who is a natural blonde, had to dye his hair red for the role of Mr. Bingley. However, it continued to grow red after filming. Um, what? Yeah. I, that hair is the source of his power. He was He's a star because of that hair. It that was sunk amazing. right in past the root. Yeah. So he has blamed uh, the director, uh, Joe Wright, for basically turning him into a ginger for a while. Wow. Wow. But yeah, I mean, it was very red hair. Um, we were making comments about his likeness to Conan O'Brien. Mm. Um, but yeah, he um, his hair ended up being quite red for a bit after the after the film. That's hilarious. That's so funny. Mm. Pleases me more than I would have expected. Yeah, and it was fabulous hair. It was so big and bouncy. Mm. It kind of fit his personality beautifully. Yeah, and particularly his giant top hat when he's holding that and walking yep. around. It was Pacing. like a ten-gallon top hat. Mm. <laughs> All right, well, uh, all that remains for us to do is to score the film. So uh, this, for uh, Esther and for new listeners, uh, this is where we give the film a score out of 10. It's, um, you know, it's nothing major. It's not, you know, it's not a do or die. Oh, I I will only go see films that are seven or above. Like, this is just an honest reflection of what we felt about the film and applying numbers to it because numbers are fun. Uh, Dan, what would you give Pride and Prejudice out of 10? Um, I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I was quite engaged the entire time. I loved all the acting and the cinematography was incredible. The wigs, oh, so good. Um, so I am going to give it seven out of ten. Mr. Darcy, <laughs> Mr. Darcy. I won't do the whole thing, but you get it. Yes, thank you for not doing the whole thing. <laughs> the knacker. <laughs> <laughs> the knacker. Uh, Esther, what would you give this film out of ten? Um... Yeah, well, I rewatching it reminded me how how great it is, and it, it you know, it, like you said, without the Pride and Prejudice context, you still enjoyed it as a film, and it's still got a really great shape. And um, I think I think they do a really good job of it, um, and I'll definitely rewatch it again. I'll give it a seven point five out of ten. Excellent. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think it's the most enjoyment I've had with something Jane Austen based um, maybe even more so than that episode of Red Dwarf um, maybe even just what? a little bit more what? it was look they're different they're yeah. a bit different but <laughs> they're a yeah, bit I different I concur yeah um, so yeah I'd, I'd say it's it's a great one to watch uh, I would give it seven and a half um, giant pig testicles out of <laughs> <laughs> 
is, it is it is a really really lovely film and they um, are giant pig testicles they really are <laughs> worth watching just to have a look at his pork scratchings alone uh, so all that remains for me to say is uh, Daniel and Esther thank you very much for joining me on oh, this thanks episode thanks for having us thank you for that description of pork scratchings <laughs> And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening. Uh, this was the first of two Valentine's Day special films that were selected. How were they selected? Why our Patreons over at www.patreon.com forward slash podcast they selected the films for the vote, and then those films were voted on at our Facebook page. Just go to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, search for that on Facebook, and you'll find us. And you can vote on future films as well. Um, we are also available to be downloaded uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud and other podcasting and podcatching services. So make sure you're subscribed there so that you can find out what our second romantic film is in a couple of weeks. But that's all. So until next time, goodbye. Mrs. Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Mrs. Darcy. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs>